Hey, all you stoned zoners. You can now support this show with your actual real-life money. Go to patreon.com slash tvskevin and sign up for as little as $1 a month. $12 a year. You can make all the difference in the world to this show that you love. That's patreon.com slash tvskevin. Enjoy the show. I'm gonna make Emma Star an offer you can't refuse. She's gonna listen to this, and then she will have listened to this. Hello and welcome to Can We Get Emma Stone to Listen to This, the podcast that aims to answer exactly that. I am TV's Kevin Lanigan. No, it's not a sex thing. The contestants on Legends of the Hidden Temple didn't try to surmount the incredible trials in front of them because they wanted to touch the boobs on that temple. They simply did it for the love of the game. Welcome back to episode five. The phone lines are now open. Just waiting on that call from Emma Stone. Kind of, it takes me, it takes me back a little bit, sitting up, waiting by the phone. It might, might be hard for the kids today to sort of relate to that feeling of, of sitting by the phone and waiting for it to go off. You know, in this, in this era of constant communication, yeah, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, forums where I talk to young boys, you know, you, you can contact anyone at any time. You can send them a text message and wait on them to receive it, as opposed to the old-fashioned way uh, where you would have to call them on the phone in those bygone days of yore. You ever think about and this is kind of a new thought here. I, I think I'm really, I'm, I'm breaking some new ground. You ever think about how in today's society, we are more connected than we ever have been. But like, we're also less connected, you know? We, we are so close and yet so distant. There is a huge Berlin wall that is Facebook covered in likes and and games and and videos of people in Mexico getting their heads chopped off and it is separating us from our loved ones in ways that that humanity has never had to deal with before you know in the good old days we're talking rome old rome you know in the good old days uh sparta um stalingrad they they didn't have facebook and I know this this might be difficult for for a lot of my younger listeners, and there are many of you, you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds, that's my key demographic. It might be hard for you kids to understand what the world used to look like. But, you know, we didn't have laptop. George Washington, the greatest man to ever live, didn't have a laptop. He didn't have a Google Doc to keep track of all of his slaves. He had to do it from memory. We we didn't have automatic electronic cash registers that did all the math for you. We had to calculate the cost of slaves and the change we owed back to people buying the slaves with too much money because someone didn't have something that wasn't a hundred. We had to do that with our brains, okay? We, we had to calculate that 
with our good old-fashioned fingertips. None of this, none of this electronic crap. When I was going to the block to sell off the people that I owned, I had to walk uphill both ways. We all got very tired. I took the double hill route. There were simpler routes, but back then we did things that were harder because we were stubborn, refused to move in our ways. You know, as um, I was praying earlier, and I was thinking about how our, how the gods of old don't don't really represent us anymore. You know, kids kids are moving further and further away from from the traditional faiths, and sometimes now I just think like. Like, maybe Netflix is our god, you know? Like, the real god never gave me all of these great viewing. Where was god when I wanted to watch House of Cards in, like, 2006? He was nowhere, and he had no House of Cards. And I think I'm going to draw some art about this. I'm going to make a really impactful comic um, where, like, I take, like, The Last Supper, but it's, like, Netflix original characters, you know? And you've got... um. You got Frank Underwood from House of Cards there in the middle. Um, and, you, you know, you've got um, Judas, and that's like Bojack Horseman, because Bojack Horseman would totally sell out Frank Underwood. And and you've got, like, John, Jesus' favorite, and it's like Pussy from Orange is the New Black. <laughs> and, <laughs> God. and, like... Kimmy Schmidt is there and she totally doesn't want Frank Underwood to get crucified, but there's like nothing she can do about it. And Titus, Titus is fine with it, but Kimmy doesn't want it to happen. And um, I think I'm really onto something with this, with this art, with my art. In case you haven't tell, um, in case you're not able to tell from my candor, um, no, no movement again on the Emma Stone front. Um, I keep texting Andrew Garfield to see see if he can read. I keep texting Andrew Garfield to see if he's willing to reach out and sort of make that connection, but he just keeps sending me back, like, the eggplant emoji, and, like, maybe he's trying to tell me, like, plant the seeds, you know, in a, in a way that, like, in a movie, instead of, like, you know, a character will be dying, and they'll be talking to our hero, and they'll, they'll lay out a, a vague platitude of, like, trust in the cards, Michael, and, and, Michael's like, what does that mean? And then he's in like the final poker tournament and he's like, trust in the cards. Of course. And he draws the 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 six of Dark Magician or like whatever he needs to to win the game. Um, instead of characters dying and just like saying what the fuck to do, they they always have to speak in these vague philosophical platitudes. And um actually happened to me. I was on a I was on an Egyptian expedition with my with my mentor, um, Trevor Thundergaard and Trevor Trevor Thundergaard, um, an old archaeologist of of um, you know he he'd been on a ton of digs, ton of expeditions, and I was I was I was there with him, sort of um, learning learning the tips of the trade, and I, we came across uh, a group of German nationalists like you do, and uh, you know we they chased us across countries and continents as we were we were unraveling the the riddle of the. Uh, the Sphinx, uh, ooh, it was a toughie, and uh, they were chasing us from from point port to port, point to point, and they were like following us across the map, and we were both leaving like red lines in our wake, and we would like try to confuse them by like going back over the red line and like and like making a little loop de loop with it and like backtracking over our own steps, and, and and we were we were fighting and we were punching. I killed like forty dudes, and I don't feel guilty about it, and um, 
but uh, right in the in the in the final temple. I mean, we were so close to solving the riddle of the Sphinx, and and we were so close to the end. But then my mentor, Trevor Thundergard, is that what? Yeah, that no, that's what I named him. And um, oh, we were so close to the end, and uh, he got shot. I mean, ugh, wouldn't you believe it? I got shot by the main German guy. Uh, it, Brau Schneitzen. Brau Schneitzen. And he sniped him. And, oh, got him right between the, right between the ribs, uh, right between the ribs and, and the heart. And we thought he was okay. Got shot again right in the back of the dang head. And he fell over as I was cradling him in my arms like a baby, because um, this is a part I haven't mentioned, Trevor Thundergaard is one foot two, and I was cradling him in my arms like a baby, and I was rocking him gently into that good night as as his warm blood was just, I mean, all over. I was I was wearing all white on this expedition. Ah, mistake number one, but I was a rookie. Um, and, you know, before that, I had been very careful, like, not to get them covered in dirt, not to get them covered in, like, ancient traps not to get them covered in like snakes you know how you like go on an expedition and you'll come home and you're like i am covered in snakes um i was very careful to like keep them good and then damn it bled all over me ruined my whole that was that was my church clothes and he just ruined them but i was cradling him in my arms and i was like trevor I don't know how to go on without you. I, I can't solve the riddle of the Sphinx. I can't read. And um, Trevor, he, he looked up with me, and, and with his dying breath, he said, And he, t- he booped my nose, which was adorable because he was a baby. Um, and he booped my nose, and, he, and I was like, No, please, Trevor, you have to tell me what to do. You have to tell me what to do. And then uh, Trevor, he... He, he spit up on me, and god damn it, Trevor, he spit up on me. <sighs> well, those are the hassles of being a parent. No, no parent should ever have to outlive their child like that. I would not wish that on any man. Anyway, time for letters. This letter comes to us uh, from the Black Diamond Gang. They uh, they say, let me let me open this up here. Open this letter. It says, oh, it's written in like cut out pieces of magazine. It's written in like you know how in a normal letter it'll be like written in ink or or printed in ink. Uh, this one is written in cutout pieces of magazine, which I think is kind of an inventive, uh, use for your old magazines. Uh, I have, I have 4,000 copies of people just sitting in the corner, uh, cause I am a hoarder. Look out for my episode coming up this Tuesday on the, uh, on the information network. And, um, open up the letter and, uh, let's, let's read it, shall we? Mr. Lanigan, we have your daughter. She is within her grasp. To prove this to you, here is her bloody fingerprint. Let me look at it. Yeah, that looks like her fingerprint. If you do not deliver unto us the sum of $10,000 in non-sequel bills. Non-sequel bills? Non-sequential bills. They just couldn't find the word sequential in a magazine. Non-sequel bills. We will Kill Bill Volume 2 her. Kill Bill Volume... So you're going to make a 
you're going to turn her into a into a daughter that is perhaps more more deep and insightful than the first but is less outright entertaining than my current daughter or that like has sort of an underwhelming ending in that you know after all this she's kind of like hits a, she kind of hits her bill once no okay no oh oh okay they're going to kill her mm, got it got it got it got it got it mm, well that is a pickle that is a pickle i don't know why they didn't just cut off the rest of Kill Bill Volume 2, they left in the whole thing, which is an interesting sort of aesthetic choice for this note. Hey, fellas, um, Black Diamond Gang, hold on, let me, let me, I'm going to make a companion note back to them, uh, cutting, cutting things out of my own magazines into a, into a sort of return note, because they were kind enough to leave an address on there, um, which, hmm, I wonder if there's anything I can do with that, but, <clears throat> Dear fellas, I cut out the first half of the uh, of a review of Goodfellas, and I wrote fellas. Thanks for your letter. Mm. I'm having to make some some choices here. I don't like um, cut out the number four as opposed to the four, but you can't just like unglue that and put something over it. Like you really have to like start over. And I'm not uh, I'm not made of time here. Uh, um, as you know, I don't negotiate with criminals for your trouble here is this cool article i found on how to cook a low-cal easy to make zucchini lasagna and here's a brief entertainment weekly review of the new season of orange is the new black And here's an ad for vodka where, like, it's like a cherry-flavored vodka and this woman's mouth is accepting two cherries. Um, and, uh, <laughs> to, I mean, to me, I don't know if this was intentional. It looks kind of like testicles. And, uh, here's a picture of Shaq I found. And if I put it close enough to the cherries, it looks like Shaq's balls. Hope this finds you well. If you have any ideas for how I can get Emma Stone to listen to this, please write in again. Love, and I got that word from a review of Netflix's Love, TV's Kevin Lanigan. Let me just lick the envelope, get that ready, and um, let me lick this letter closed. And then I'm going to deposit the envelope right in my mouth. And then, mm, you know what? I That made me realize... I am hungry. Uh, let me let me eat the rest of this this People magazine. And oh, I found this plate of spaghetti pasta fungu, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna eat that real listening audience. I know you know podcast audiences don't like it when people eat on mic. It's a little bit unprofessional, but we're an amateur outfit here. We're not on we're not on the Maximum Fun Network. We're not on Gimlet. We're not on Earwolf. So I'm going to ear wolf down this spaghetti real fast. Oh, and hey, here's a uh, man's penis. Oh, and here's my uh, my roommate, a talking squid named Reginald. I didn't eat him. That's just how he that's just how he talks. I know. I know you don't like it when I, you know, have to talk to people about how you speak but it is weird 
What's that? You were, you've been doing some thinking? Oh, you've been doing some inking. Mm. Yeah, you're inking your new comic book. Called The Squid's The Thing. Yeah. Oh, you changed it? To Ego, Super Ego, and Squid? Mm, yeah, a psychological examination of that year you spent at home after college because you were lost with your with your Renaissance literature degree. Yeah, I'm also confused why they even offer that as a as a full field of study as opposed to a class. You're right; it has like literally no real world applications. I, I know, I know that's bold coming from coming from someone that studied filmmaking. Uh, but again, you are a squid that studied Renaissance literature, so. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I just, you know, I'm 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 progressive and I think you should study something that will make you happy over something that will render unto you a lot of money. However, I do draw the line at at something again with with no real-world application. Like people need films. I think we've we've got enough studies of Renaissance literature. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'll give you I'll give you notes on the comic when you're done. Yes, good qualitative notes. Very I I will not go easy on you. Yeah, no, I have dinner in the oven. It's it's almost done. Calamari. I know, not funny, not funny, not funny. Yeah, well, you did serve human the other day. Yeah, I know, I know. On the uh, the book I saw, it said to serve human. I thought it meant that you were going to, like, be a servant, not that you were going to serve me human. Yeah, I'll see you later. Can I tell you something about my squid roommate real fast, audience? Guy can't take criticism. I know he says that he wants, like, good qualitative notes on, on his comic book about his year off after college um, that he spent working at a Dave & Buster's, but... <clears throat> King of Dish It Out can't take it. Like, I'll, I'll give him a movie script, and he will he will give me, like, real hard and fast notes that I find really ultimately benefit the project, even though I would prefer, as a human being, someone just sort of outright praise it. I get why you would want to give, like, good, strong, qualitative notes. Squid Roommate cannot take criticism. Like, he, fli- you say one thing, mildly negative about the book, and, and, and he just... He shrinks up and he like crawls inside our garbage disposal and he'll like start pawing for the for the switch that'll turn it on. He can't reach it because he's all the way down there. And he'll like he'll be like, I'm gonna do like an impression of him real fast. He'll be like and he'll be like wanting me to turn on the garbage disposal. I'm like, dude, calm down. I just said that you have some pacing issues. Mm. Roommates. Can't live with them. Squid roommates shouldn't live with them. I mean, I am I am neck deep in water just so this roommate can, like, cohabitate with me, and that seems like a bad way to do this. Those those magazines that I was cutting through, I mean, they huge amounts of water damage. I have mold just growing on me. I'm so damp all the time. I walk around and people think I'm some sort of weird swamp thing, but I'm not. I used to be, but I'm not. I used to guard the green with my whole heart. But those days are behind me. My foliage is receded. Anyway, audience, um, in lieu 
of a guest interview this week. I have something special prepared for you because Emma Stone has a movie coming out in September. And uh, this podcast seems like a real good place to, to do some promotion for it. I'm listening and I'm waiting people that would pay me money to do that. But until that time... I am going to do a little bit of lead-up coverage of my own. See, um, Emma Stone is going to be in a new film called The Battle of the Sexes, where she portrays Billie Jean King, and Steve Carell portrays Bobby Riggs, and it's the story of this famous tennis match they had, um, the old fogey uh, male rights activist versus the new wave feminist. Um, and and the two squared off in a tennis match for the ages, and I think it's this movie's been a long time coming. But what you, listening audience, don't know is that I used to have a radio show of my own, a history-based radio show, where I would talk about stuff that happened, and it was called Stuff That Happened. Um, and I actually, we did an episode on the Battle of the Sexes, and um, what a perfect time to air that for you. So here is the the part one of our great lead-up to Battle of the Sexes with an episode of Stuff That Happened. Hello and welcome to Stuff That Happened. I'm TV's Kevin Lanigan. Our story this week, The Battle of the Sexes. The Battle of the Sexes! That story we're all familiar with, that climactic battle between Billie Jean King and tennis superstar Bobby Riggs. We all know how it happened, but we don't know the behind the scenes of it. We don't know the machinations that went into it, who lost a bet to who, who was sleeping with who. So today on the show, we are going to bring you the inside story, all the things that you don't know about the battle of the sexes here on Stuff That Happened. Ich bin ein Violiner. We must die with some dignity. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! Ah! First, word from our sponsor. Hey, you a guy that loves to shave? I know why I am. But not my famous mustache. But that's why I use Bucket Shave. Bucket Shave is a monthly subscription program where they send you shaving stuff right in the mail. Only thing I used to get in the mail was pornography and Russian brides. But now they'll send you razors in the mail. Oh, this information age we live in. Bucket Shave only uses the finest razors crafted from the hulls of sunken warships. The ghosts of those brave men and women that lost their lives fuel my daily need to shave and haunt me if I mess up. If I even nick my skin, their pain enters my body and I become a vessel for them, visiting their descendants and delivering unto them unfinished business. I will show up at their descendants' house and I will judge their lives as their grandparents would letting them know that I did not live or die for them to put them big holes in their ears. My buddies did not die face down in the muck for them to marry a woman. I just, I would want to make that clear as a vessel for those that have passed on. Buck a shave club, worth every penny. Welcome back to our coverage, Battle of the Sexes. The Battle of the Sexes. Mm, yeah, damn. First came to me when I was 
playing a board game with my family. That's head of the World Tennis Championships, David R. Williams. I was family game night, and we had given up halfway through a board of Monopoly. My daughter, Belinda, had flipped over the table onto her mother, and she was currently trapped beneath it, so we were trying to find games we could play that did not necessitate moving around or the use of the bottom half of one's body. And uh, we pulled this board game from the shelves called Battle of the Sixes, and I said, well, we could do that in tennis. At the time, there had been no man-on-woman tennis matches. It was it was sort of forbidden. This was during a period of time where pornography was particularly scrutinized. Any interaction between a man and woman on the air was prohibited because it might then lead to pornography. That was the prevailing fear at the time. We had to jump through a lot of hoops to get a man and woman on screen together at the same time. There was a lot of precautions we had to go through. Billie Jean had to shave her whole nether regions, as at the time, pornography was associated with an ample bush, so as to sort of separate the two worlds. Um, both of our competitors had to be smooth as a baby's bottom. They had to have dicks and pussies smooth as a baby's bottom. This next voice you're about to hear is Dick Whitaker, who is in charge of judging the competitors' nether regions. Take great pride in my work. I, I came to this country with a dream. The dream of looking at and doing close analysis of someone's nether region, someone's genital area. I love the bathing suit. I love the way it cups and folds around someone's whole body. I love the way that it, it you know, sometimes it covers the woman's belly button, sometimes it let the belly button out. Sometimes you're like, you see one in a magazine, you're like, who would wear that around in public? Who would, like, don't get me wrong, I like what I see, but who, what beach is that for? What sort of recreation is that? That's just lingerie on the beach. I don't know about you, I get pretty sunburn in that area, and you're just letting it out for the whole sun to see, that's brave, but I came to this country with the dream, dream of looking at someone's penis, or someone's vagina, and judging whether or not it was fit for competitive play, and I got to do that in the Battle of the Sexes, and that was, that was great. What was the, what was the process of judging the competitors like? Oh boy, it was a rigorous process, I mean, we made them go through everything, you know, first, we let them sort of shave themselves, make themselves uh, presentable, and then, after that, we put them through all sorts of tastes. Uh, we took some just for men, and we rubbed it on a little pipe, and we, we sort of went at the genitals. And if anything changed colors, we would know there was hair there. So we would have to remove it. We would have to do, you know, if any charity, they would have to go back to the drawing board. They would have to go back into the bathroom. They'd shave, wishy-wishy, wishy-wishy, and they would uh, have to come out and, uh, you know, and we run the same process, like, over and over again. Uh, we would uh, we made them both sit in a little kitty swimming pool for rubbing alcohol, and if they didn't have like a big enough reaction to that, uh, we would make them you know go back in the bathroom, a shiki shiki, a shiki shiki, and um, it was a whole big bro- took weeks. Uh, they had no time to train for the competitive uh, tennis. They were too busy shaving their genitals over and over again. Uh, they so they were horribly out of practice. Yeah, they were. It was the the roughest. I mean, you've. It was basically amateur hour on the tennis court. They had both taken about two months off to properly maintain their genitals, and um, they they were engaging in some lax tennis to put it to put it lightly to put it politely. Both Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs denied 
a request to talk about the state of their genitals during the Battle of the Sexes, but actor Steve Carell was very willing to talk about it, but he wasn't willing to have his voice on the program, which is strange, as, um, well, I just told you who it was, but, um, celebrities. I wanted to make sure that I was as in character as possible for this role. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to, to ditch the comedic persona um, that, I, that I've was working on um that that made me that made me famous i really wanted to move away from the sort of nice guy weirdo persona uh because i had done anchorman i had done the office i had done dan in real life um but the dan in real life era of my career is over and so i'm moving on to the new era of my career where i put on a bunch of funny prosthetics and i yell a lot and i'm calling it the way way forward era of my career um, and I've, and I'm really going through some Daniel Day Lewis method acting here, uh, for, for the big short, uh, to practice for that role. I ruined a lot of people's lives in various different ways, just sort of get in the headspace of someone who did that, you know, and, um, to prepare for my role in the way, way back where I play sort of a mean stepfather, I abused a lot of children and I made them feel just like crap, but that was really going to shape them up into good, attractive people. And was really going to shake me up into a, um, supporting actor Academy award nod that I never received. But what did you do to prepare for battle of the sexes? Well, um, like you've heard so far, I engaged in no tennis. You might be able to tell when you watch the film, I haven't seen the final cut yet. Um, that I, that I engaged in no, t it's some embarrassing, arm flaily tennis uh eventually part of the way through the process we had to get a tennis double to to double for me while i was on the court um and he was you know a, a fit just i mean tight african-american man who is phenomenal at tennis doesn't look a whole lot like me and with my head superimposed on him it really creates a a very bizarre um sort of like sweet roll hostess kind of kind of look kind of vibe that Bobby Riggs uh, was not happy with, but I thought was sort of an interesting interpretation of that character. So what about? I mean, I don't really want to ask this question. What about your genitals? Because you you were in that very famous scene in the Forty Year Old Virgin where you got waxed, and we all saw that you were a almost obscenely hairy man. I mean, what did you what did you do from that moment forward? Well, we don't choose the parts we play as you all know um actors are sort of placed into a random lottery whenever a new film is coming out um and you are just drawn and those are the roles you have to you have to fulfill that is why um it well and some actors just get so unlucky you know judy greer keeps throwing her name in all these different buckets but she just keeps getting drawn out for bitchy ex-wife characters um it's just it's the luck of the draw and an actor's career is based entirely on luck so there's no casting whatsoever none whatsoever it is all completely the luck of the draw and and your balls what balls i have a baby's bottom down there what you're about to hear is audio of me looking at steve carell's shorn naked balls Wow, no, that that wasn't quite what I, I mean, you described it. Nothing can quite prepare you for what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, ask my wife. I mean, because the rest of me is as hairy as it has ever been. I've grown out a three-foot beard for the part, but that sector of my body, totally hairless. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't love it. That was Steve Krell's wife describing how she, she doesn't love 
the sort of hair combination that she's seeing right it's it's horrifying and i can't look away my my husband's gonads are a train wreck that brings us to the night before the big match the big climactic showdown between billy jean king and bobby riggs that of course we call the battle of the sexes the battle of the sexes i have never seen two competitors more amped up for the competition they had in front of them but less physically prepared i mean these were two horrible slobs they they had not engaged in a single minute of athletic activity in over the course of a couple months their their heads were not in the game they were so focused on the nuts and bolts of making sure that their nuts and bolts we're ready for competitive play. Yeah, um, Bobby Riggs, it, I watched the tape many times in preparation for the making of this movie, and, and and Bobby Riggs doesn't look so much like a professional tennis player as he does the a man of the average weight of a customer at Golden Corral. Like, if you took a census of everyone as they walked through the door and sort of averaged that weight out, he is the median weight that you would find there. You can, I mean, he is running up and down that court as best he can, um, but it is, it's not graceful. And of course, as you might expect, when a man and a woman are about to face off on competitive television, the accusations of pornography were flying. Yeah, so the whole genitals thing was kind of for nothing. Didn't really amount to anything, and it didn't stop nobody from protesting the event boo done with tennis boo we hate tennis boo boo tennis oh no 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 tennis oh no i hate tennis i hate tennis so much oh boo boo no no tennis boo oh tennis is bad tennis is bad god hates tennis god hates tennis god hates tennessee williams Oh, tennis is the worst thing I ever done saw. Oh, Revelations predicted tennis. Tennis is sin. Tennis is abortion of good taste. Boo! Boo! That was audio collected live at the arena. The tennis arena. The famous tennis arena where this battle of the sexes took place. It was by a group currently known as the Westboro Baptist Church, but back then they were known only as the Eastboro Schlaptist Blurch. We here at the Eastboro Schlaptist Birch do not appreciate the event that's going to take place inside this arena tomorrow. It is a sin. It is a blight on God. I don't understand why they thought it was going to be a blight on God. I mean, it's just a tennis match. We even put up a God-proof shield at the top of the dome so God couldn't see it. It is true. I could not see it. That was the voice of God. I have in the studio right now the then head of the Eastboro Slapdisc Blurch. Welcome, Rinky Dinky. Hey man, what's going on? Tennis is sin. Boo! Oh, I hate tennis. So you still, after all these years, hate tennis with your whole being? Tennis is like Sodom and Gomorrah and that Mary Magdalene all rolled into a little yellow ball, and it's like being batted back and forth by Pontius Pilate and Judas and everyone that's watching is premarital sex. How did you even hear about the tennis match? It was all over the airwaves. You could not turn on the TV 
without seeing something sinful staring at you right in your dang face. I turn on the one channel, and there's that fella living with two ladies pretending to be a gay man. I mean, can you believe it? I turn on to the next channel, and there's two fellas dressing up as ladies to try and get jobs because as we all know the career field is so much better for women wait when are you watching tv and then you turn on the next channel and there's all them people these aliens and they sitting on earth they calls it third rock from the sun god don't call it third rock from the sun he calls it earth wait, wait no hold on when are you watching television and then you flip on the next channel and like Lucy and Ricky's fighting again. Ricky just slugs her one good. It was that's how TV used to be, and but then you know it's pornography. I can't enjoy that. I can't enjoy it. You you couldn't enjoy I Love Lucy because it was too pornographic. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. God did not mean for man and woman to cohabitate the same televised space, lest they was about to do the deed. That's the way it was meant to be. Wait, so you're. <laughs> Your problem is that they weren't engaging in pornography? Yeah, me. Nah, if they was going, I mean, like, don't set us up for nothing. Don't, don't set up the pins and not throw the bowling ball. Don't put the ball on the tee and not hit a home run. Like, let them do it. That's how God will want it. This is very confusing. Yeah, and that's why I had to set fire to the whole arena. It was too confusing for me. I like the word to be simple. Black and white. Porn and not porn. That's why I go around from town to town finding local news stations that's hosted by men's and women's and I burn them down unless those two is fucking. So wait, you're okay. You're okay saying fucking, but you're not okay with not porn. Your system of belief is is flabbergasting to me. Well, it's what I believe. It's how I was raised. It's how my mama raised me to watch porn. As you might be able to tell from that interview, the Eastboro slapdust blurch has changed a lot over the last few decades. But as he said... He did burn down the tennis arena. On the day before, Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs were supposed to go into that tennis court. The Eastboro Slapdust Blurch burned the whole dang thing down. I mean, we had everything set up in there. We had the cameras ready to go. We had all the balls we would need, all the rackets. We The Gatorade was pre-prepared. All the ball boys was sleeping over to make sure they was on time for work the next day. And they all died instead of running for freedom. They had plenty of time. It was a whole sports stadium. Ain't gonna burn down instantly. They had all the time in the world. But instead they huddled together in fear. Like ball boys do. They're frightful creatures. And they all perished horribly in that fire. God rest their soul. God rest their soul. The battle of the sexes. 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 Wasn't gonna be what we wanted it to be. It, it had forever changed its course in the same way that it forever changed the course of how we look at media, tennis, and porn. We're gonna find out about how the Battle of the Sexes forever changed the face of tennis, media, and porn next week on Stuff That Happened. I have been tv's kevin lanigan uh, the show was produced today by josh mendelstein um who said something very interesting to me on the way into work this morning but the dan and real life era of my career is over see you next week and that was that was a little bit of my old radio show my 
you talk as much as I do, and your vocal cords sort of change over the years, that so you've got this current smoky way I have of talking. But it wasn't always like that. It's really interesting to me to listen back to those old shows and, and hear how I've changed and hear how the world has changed, how, how telling stories have changed. I don't mention Netflix once in that. What if I drew a picture of like Netflix as like, as like a big giant robot and it's, and all the humans are like chained together, breaking rocks and he's le- and Netflix is whipping us. Do you think that would do? Do you think that would do something? Anyway, I will be back next week with further stories and more coverage of the battle of the sexes leading up to the lead up of that film but until then i have been tv's kevin lanigan we will end this show as we end all shows hey emma stone if you're out there get on over ya. get out your phone now down me up good see you next week you stoned zoners you can now support this show with your actual real life money go to patreon.com slash tv's kevin and sign up for as little as one dollar a month twelve dollars a year you can make all the difference in the world to this show that you love that's patreon.com slash tv's kevin the battle of the sex sales Hey everybody, I'm Stephen Pappas. And I'm Julie Ken. And we are the host of the Meddling Kids podcast, a review of all things Scooby-Doo. We are going through every episode in the Scooby-Doo canon to explain all the questions you meddling kids have. Right, exactly. Like, is Fred a serial killer? How old is Fred exactly? Why does Daphne have such bad posture? Where do these kids live? And is pot legal there? (laughs) Where is this place? I think it's Florida. Anyway, stick with us for the Meddling Kids Podcast, a groovy review of all things Scooby-Doo.